We are going to be in the book of 2 Chronicles today. If you have a Bible, it's in the Old Testament, about a quarter of the way through your Bible. There's black hardcover Bibles in the pews that you're sitting. I'd love to have you follow along. We're going to be in one chapter today, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're going to kind of go through a story through the whole chapter there. Um, I encourage you to keep following along with our Foundations reading plan. We're reading through the New Testament as a church this week. And uh, I know a lot of you have said, hey, I'm reading this, and this doesn't make sense. We're going to have groups that come up that we're going to have. We can talk about what we're reading. Um, So we'd love to have you follow along. This week is uh, week 5, Luke 21 through 25, I believe. That was on the screen there. So, But we're going to be today in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles. And as you're turning there, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Just wanted to let you know of a fun opportunity I had this week. Fun because it involved me going to Tampa, Florida for a few days. So, yeah, uh, Friday I flew back, and between getting on the plane and getting off, the swing of temperature was 85 degrees. Um, so you don't get to do that every day. Um, I'm, I'm okay with the cold. I embrace it. Um, but I was in Tampa for a uh, church planting week where I was a table coach for a bunch of church planters. And what we do, you know, you might not know this, but we are a part of the Assemblies of God denomination. Um, and uh, part of the Assemblies of God is a church multiplication network. And if you didn't know this, the Assemblies of God around the world really is leading the way with church planting and with missions, sending people out to become missionaries, funding missionaries, and then funding and launching church plants as well. So my job this week was to be one of, I think, 10 table coaches. And so I got a chance to sit down at a table all week with people who are about to plant a church this week, um, there's, and they were all in smaller towns, and it was so great because I thought, well, I'm in kind of a smaller community. Farmington feels like a small town. We have a church that's launching in a small town in Kansas, in Vernon, Florida, on the Panhandle, and then in Onawa, Iowa. And I've never heard of Onawa, Iowa, but there's a couple there that's going to plant a church. They're getting launched out from another church. I loved being a part of this week. You can kind of see it in their face. And Christy and I were at this same event four years ago, four and a half years ago, as we were getting ready to launch Homestead. You just kind of feel that deer in headlights moment of, wow, we've got a lot to think about, a lot to learn. And it was great to be a part of that week with church planners from all over the country. And um, what church multiplication does through the Assemblies of God, and we did this, is they will match $30,000. It's now up to $50,000. If you raise $50,000 to launch your church, they'll match it in a no-interest loan. And then what we did as a church when we did that is 5% of our giving right from the start of this church went back to pay off that loan, which we did about a year ago. And now we give monthly, every month, to support CMN and church plants around the world. So if you just gave in the offering or you support this church financially, It's not just for donuts and youth events and ice fishing with Dennis. Those are all good things. We are a part of missions giving around the world every month, and then we are a part of planting these churches. So I got a chance to meet these people who are going to be planting churches sometime this year. I think last year the AG planted like three, over 300 churches around the country. So it's really, really a great thing to be a part of. So I want to thank you for being a part of that. And it was really great to meet those church planners. So please continue to support this church as we support and we pay it forward to launch new churches. Um, so that's what I got to do this past week. All right, Second Chronicles, Old Testament. We're going to talk about King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. Now, 
This is a time in the Old Testament, there was the nation of Israel, and after King Solomon, the nation of Israel split into two. By the way, next Sunday, come back next Sunday, we're going to start a new series called Long Story Short, where for seven weeks, we're going to kind of go through the whole kind of big story of the Bible. Because there's probably times where you're reading this and you're like, Judah, I don't even know what Judah is. Why isn't it Israel? I thought these were the Israelites. We're going to kind of talk about kind of the big story of the Bible so that when you are reading something, you'll have a better understanding of what is going on. So today, 2 Chronicles, this is the king of Judah, the split kingdom. The northern kingdom is Israel. The southern kingdom, including Jerusalem, is the kingdom of Judah. And Judah has a king, Jehoshaphat. And what had happened was, and if you read, you know, Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, those Old Testament books, the story is all about the nation of Israel and then the nation of Judah as well, and the king. And how some kings lead the nation into idolatry, and they lead them away from God, and then bad things happen. And then another king, a righteous king, will come and lead the nation back to God. Get rid of all the idol worship, and then things will go good for them. This is really the up and down story of the people of God throughout the Old Testament. And King Jehoshaphat, right before this in 2 Chronicles 20, he kind of leads the nation of Judah in a revival of sorts. He leads them back to God. He says, you know what? We've had idol worship. The prophets have spoken. We are far from God. We're getting rid of all that. We're going to turn our hearts back to God. And the nation really just turns its heart back to God. And that's where we pick up the story in 2 Chronicles 20. I'm going to start reading verse 1 through 4. It says this. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with some of the Munites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. And some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom on the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is En Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Then the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah, so the whole surrounding area, every town in Judah, to seek him. I love that story because what happened when they were presented with a great need? What happened when they were presented with a great enemy? It says, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. He resolved to pray. He resolved to pray. Faced with the battle, faced with the enemy, faced with something that could be catastrophic, it seems that Jehoshaphat's first response was, we got to pray. We got to pray. We need to call people together, and we are going to pray. Prayer was not an afterthought. Prayer was not, man, if we can't solve this thing, if if the battle's not going good, if we go wage war against this enemy and it seems like it's not going good, then we'll pray. What Jehoshaphat said was, here's a battle that we are about to face. First things we got to do is we have to pray. Right? Amen? Yes, you're there with me this morning. All right, we're waking up. Okay, so he called the nation to come to fast and to pray, and the whole nation gathered, and they began to pray. And you can read the prayer in the following verses, in verse 5 through 12. It's this prayer, and Jehoshaphat leads the nation in prayer, and he starts out by proclaiming the greatness of God. He starts out by proclaiming, God, you have been faithful to us. You are the almighty God. I love that his prayer starts with that. I think anytime we're facing something and we begin to pray about it, something maybe in your family, in your marriage, in your career, in your finances, and you have something that you want to pray for, Scripture actually leads the way in this and models this. We should always start our prayers with declaring who God is, right? His greatness, His power, His faithfulness. And it's not like we have to, 
you know, it's not like as a kid when you're going up and you got to ask dad for something and, you know, I better, like, start complimenting him right away. Grease the wheels a little bit. Dad, you're such a good dad. You've always been so good to us in the past. If my kids do that right away, I'm like, no, whatever you're asking for, no. No, that's not, yo, because I can tell that's a trap. This is not what we're doing with God. What we're doing when we proclaim the greatness of God, when we start out our prayers with saying, God, you are good, you are powerful, you have been merciful and faithful to us in the past, it's a reminder to us, right? It builds our faith because it reminds us who we are praying to, that this is not going to your dad to ask for double allowance this week. This is God, the creator of the world, who has been faithful. So I love that their prayer starts with proclaiming the greatness of God. His faithfulness in the past. we got to do that when we pray. First of all, when we face a battle, we need to pray. And when we do, we need to proclaim the greatness of our God. It helps our faith. And then at the end of his prayer, in verse 12, I want to put this, this will be up on the screen. Throw up that one. Verse 12, the next scripture slide there, Charlie, if you could. This is the end of his prayer. and says this, Oh God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. He acknowledges we're powerless. And then I love this sentence. we got to get this. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. I'm going to read that again. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We don't have the power to face this enemy. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. What a great testimony of faith. There's gonna, man, how many times in life are we facing something where we're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I've tried every bit of my wisdom and every bit of my resource. I feel powerless against what is attacking me right now, what is attacking my family right now. But God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. What great words. And I love that Jehoshaphat had that outlook. We're facing this enemy. Jehoshaphat, especially since they had just gone through a revival and gotten rid of all the idol worship and gotten rid of all the evil practices and turned the hearts of the people back to God, how easy would it have been for Jehoshaphat in that moment to say, God, we just turned back to you. We're doing all the right things. You know, translation today is, God, I just started reading my Bible every day. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm leading my family in faith. And now this happens? How easy would it have been for Jehoshaphat to say, God, we're doing the right thing. And now it feels like we're going to get wiped out by this enemy. When you face a battle, what's your first response? Too often for me, it's, God, I'm doing my best, and yet you're throwing this enemy at me. You know, what's going on? Have you forgotten about me? I'm trying to do the best I can. So often our first response is, God, you must not be very good because I'm trying to follow you and bad things are happening to me. Or also, too often our response is to try to fix the problem ourselves. And stress ourselves out trying to make, you know, make a deal with the enemy is what a lot of times nations would do. Like, we know we can't defeat you, so whatever you want, just don't kill us. You know, make a deal with the enemy. But no, Jehoshaphat resolved to pray, and his prayer was, God, you are great. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Amen? Our eyes are on you. We all need to learn to go to God first when we have a battle, when we're facing a problem. When we don't know what to do, say, God, my eyes are on you. You're big, you're strong, you have wisdom, you have resources. We all need to go to God first. Another thing that jumped out at me earlier on, not only did Jehoshaphat call the nation together to pray, he called for a fast. He called for a fast. Now, this might be a new concept to you. If you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard the term fasting. Fasting is kind of a, a cool, hip term now for people who are working out. They go on intermittent fasts because it's how they get their body ripped and in shape, and I've never tried that obviously. Um, 
But growing up in church, there's a spiritual element to fasting. Fasting is when you go without something. Most of the time, it's going without food for a period of time because you are saying, God, I'm in the middle of something, and I'm serious. I mean, that's really how I look at it. I need you to show up, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to deny myself something. It's a physical expression of your desire to have God move in a situation. It's a physical expression to go without food for a meal, for a day. Some people go longer. Some people go a week. I've heard of people doing a water-only fast for you know, 40 days, as Jesus modeled in the New Testament. Really, what people are saying is, God, I'm going to go without a meal, and when I feel that hunger, I'm going to remind myself, you know what? It's not about my flesh and blood. It's about devotion to you. I'm going to go without a meal. I'm going to prepare, or I'm going to proclaim a fast for me, and I'm going to say, God, I need you, and I am fasting and praying, denying myself, believing that you are going to show up because you are everything that we need. It's, it's a way to die to yourself and proclaim to God, you know what, God, as I lay down myself, I need you to show up in this situation. Maybe there's something you're facing in your life that you have been praying for and there's just not been a breakthrough with it. Maybe this week you can say, God, I'm going to fast a meal. I'm going to take a lunch off or a day where I'm not going to eat and I'm going to say, God, Today, every time where I'm thinking about food, I'm going to be reminded to pray for breakthrough in this area. When you fast, you are declaring to God, God, I am desperate for you to show up. And that's what the whole nation did. They fasted. They prayed. They inquired to God, and they said, God, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. God, you are the first place we are going when we are in need. We focus on you. God, you are the first one that we go to as an answer for our problems, as a God who can bring victory in our battle when we don't even know what to do. And God replies in verse 15. Verse 15. You can throw that one up there. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. This is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And I'm going to proclaim that word over some of you here today that you are facing a battle. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen? I'm going to say that again. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the path of, pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. So God's given them, like, strategic insight here. This is like God saying, I'll tell you where the army is. That's where you're going to find them. And then he continues, verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. What a great response from God. You had to, in that moment, you had to be thinking, yes, our God has heard us. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. This battle is not yours. It might seem like you're facing a battle that you're going to have to fight. This battle is God's. God has got this. Take your position, stand firm, and watch what God does. What a great moment. I love that moment thinking about, okay, we get to go see God do something. God is going to do something that's going to be miraculous. Don't be afraid. This is God's battle. I love that he says you're not even needed going to fight. You're not even needed going to fight. You're not even going to need to fight. I was saying that weird. In fact, stand firm. Just stand firm in your faith and watch God bring victory. 
We need to recognize this in our struggles, in our battles as we face something, right? We can give it to God. God is the first place we go. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And we can rest assured that God is capable of fighting this battle, of bringing victory in this situation. As we honor him, he is faithful to bring about victory in this circumstance, amen? He can bring about a victory that we don't even have to fight. We can find rest when we face an enemy because we find rest in knowing that God is actually fighting this for us. God is fighting on our behalf where there are times that we are so consumed with trying to battle on our own, whatever you're facing, trying to face, figure it out on your own. i got to come up with a solution. And God says to his people, you don't need to fight this one. Look to me. Stand firm. I am fighting this one for you. The battle that you face is not yours. It's God's. Amen? It is not yours. It's God. God can bring about the victory. And I'm praying that over our church today. I'm praying that over you today. If it's physical healing, if it's relational, financial, emotional, you're battling anxiety, depression, you are facing a financial enemy that you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Something in your career, whatever it is, and you're saying, I don't know what to do. That's probably the best thing you can do today is just acknowledge to God, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. Amen? My eyes are on you today. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. I'm praying that over everybody here today. But one interesting thing, and I'm going to highlight this in the last few minutes I have here. It's so interesting to me that God says, tomorrow, take up your positions. Go face your enemy. Get in battle position. He says that. Take up your positions, stand firm, and watch the victory that God says, that God is going to bring. It would have been so easy for God to say, you know what, guys? I'm taking care of this one. Just sleep in tomorrow, right? Take the day off. I'm going to go wipe them out. I'll let you know when it's done. Then you can go on with your day. Why didn't God do that? God said, tomorrow, get up and march into battle. Get up and face your enemy. Get up and get into position, and I'll show you where to go, because you're going to stand there, and you're going to face your enemy, and you're going to watch me bring victory. Why did God do that? Why did God say, go through the motions, get all your gear on, get ready for battle, march out there? He said, take up your position. They had to go out and face their enemy. This is an act of faith that God is asking for them, right? If you are in the Israelite army and you know there's an enemy facing you that you have no way of defeating, and God says, don't worry, I'm going to defeat them for you. I'm going to bring victory for you. But you still got to get up. You still got to get ready for battle. You still got to march out there. What happens when you're marching out there? You're thinking, is he really going to do it, right? Is God really going to come through? We're actually walking closer to our enemy right now. Every step is like an act of faith. I know I'm getting closer to the enemy. They're just over the hill over there. And every step we're walking towards them is an act of faith saying, I know you're going to do it, God. I know you're going to bring victory. Every step, I know you're going to bring deliverance. They are declaring with every step, God, I know your word is true. I know your promise is true. It's an act of faith. And God always puts us in a position. Man, and sometimes it's frustrating, right? God always puts us in a position where we're going to show our faith by taking a step by taking our position, by facing our enemy, and then God brings about the victory. I love that he puts us in a position where we show our faith because God always responds to his people's faith. When we have an act of faith, God always responds to that. This is God saying, take up your positions, face your enemy, and stand firm. And then what happens in verse 20? It says this. So early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa, As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, 
Now, this is probably in that moment where they're wondering, why are we marching out to face this enemy? I don't want to get closer to the enemy. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Great moment where Jehoshaphat is reminding them. We still got to go out and face our enemy, but God is going to do it. Have faith and you'll see God bring deliverance. Have that moment where you declare God's goodness and you're going to see God come through in victory. I love that. I love that they set out the next day. They start marching out towards the enemy. Each step a declaration of faith. God's going to bring victory. And then what do they do? They begin to worship. They begin to worship. Before God gives them what they're asking for, they begin to thank God. They're singing these words, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever on the way to the battle. What an act of faith, a defiant worship. I'm about to face the enemy, but I'm going to thank you and praise you because I know you're going to bring victory. You're going to bring deliverance. This was a moment where they were worshiping God before he brought the victory. And then this happens in verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped destroy one another. What God did was they caused, he caused so much confusion in the enemy camp. They all turned on each other. There was all these nations that were, you know, united against Judah. God caused them to be confused and to turn on each other, and they all just started fighting each other and wiped themselves out. I mean, this, was the mo- this is how God brought victories. It was as they began to take steps towards them. It was as they began to declare their faith that God provided victory. It was as, it says right there, as they began to sing in praise, God did this. It's an act of faith where defiantly we give thanks and praise to God, right? When things are not going well, I've had moments in the last few months things are not going well and I'm in an environment where there's singing and worship going on and maybe you're here this morning, you're facing a battle and you walk in and you're like, it's freezing outside and they're singing in here and things are not going well and I'm, I'm just gonna stand here because God has not been good enough to me for me to worship him this morning. Have you ever been there where you're like, I don't even feel like worshiping you today because there are so many bad things going on. That's the moment more than any Thing. That's the moment when I'm in that situation where I have to remind myself, he is good. I believe he will bring about victory in this situation. I do not know what to do, God, but my eyes are on you, and I will defiantly offer you my praise and thanksgiving even before you bring about the victory that I'm facing, right? Right? Even before you bring about victory from the battle that I'm facing, I will praise you. I will thank you. I want a very practical thing we can do when you're going through something difficult and you come to church on Sunday morning. It's just a very practical thing to say, you know what? Things are not going well. God, my eyes are on you. And I will even just lift up a hand in worship as an act of faith saying, I know you are good in spite of what I'm going through right now. I know you will bring about victory in the future and I will worship you now because I know what you're going to do in the future. Amen? Is that okay? Right? I'm going to worship you now because I know you are bringing victory. God provided the victory that day. Judah watches great victory that happens. 
Jehoshaphat leads his people, the people of Judah, to sing praise to God, and he comes through and he wipes out the enemy in a way that they could not have even imagined. I imagine the whole way there, they're like, I'm not sure how God's going to do it. Maybe another flood or another fireball from heaven. And I'm sure they didn't think he's going to cause them to turn on each other, and they're all going to just fight themselves. But God brought victory that day. So as you are facing a battle, and you might be here today thinking, I'm here as a last hope, like, I got things going on. Maybe you're listening online right now to this message weeks and months down the road from where we're actually preaching it today, and you are facing a battle. What do you do? Well, the first thing is this. Here's what we learn from Jehoshaphat and God's people. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. That sounds like a churchy phrase that people say, well, that sounds like something pastors do. What does that mean? What does it mean to fix your eyes on something? Well, it means to focus on something. It means, what are you spending time thinking about? What are you spending time uh, with your focus? Where's your focus? Where's your attention? What are you thinking about? What are you talking about? Are you talking about or thinking about or focused on the problem, on the battle, on the impending defeat, on all the things that you're trying to do? Or are you focusing, as the Israelites did there, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Are you focusing on the God who can bring about victory? Are you talking about your problems with everybody? And you're that person. Oh, it's just really tough. And talk to people. That's fine. But more than that, you should talk to people about the faithfulness of God and how you are believing. You know God's going to be faithful. Where is your focus? Fix your eyes on him. When you are tempted to just spend your day worrying about a problem, every time you worry about it. Now, this is going to take discipline. This for sure will take discipline. When you are worried about something and it causes that when you first wake up in the morning, if you're like me, this happens to me, I first wake up and I think, how's life today? And you think, oh, things are good. And then you think of that thing that causes you to kind of like do the downward dive, like, oh, but we're facing this, right? Oh, that's right. Life isn't so good. You know, you wake up optimistic and, oh, that's right, this is going on. In those moments throughout the day when you're reminded, oh, that's right, this is the battle we're facing. Here's the mountain that we're facing. Here's the enemy that is attacking us. And the reason for you to start feeling down and downcast, that moment, and it's a discipline, say, you know what? I will declare the goodness of God. Even those words we just read that Jehoshaphat led the nation in, in singing, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Everyone say, give thanks to the Lord. For his love endures forever? All right, you could even just do that. You could commit that to memory. We can memorize, what, 10 words? Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And every time you're faced with that, oh, I'm reminded this is the battle. Oh, I'm reminded this is the mountain we're facing. And every time you, out of discipline, defiantly say, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. You might be the crazy person. that every, People are like, why is that person always repeating that? You could say it quietly, you know. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. It's just a way that we are going to train our minds to focus on God. It's not positive thinking. It's not like, oh, if we do that, then we're going to, you know, if we, it's like a magic spell. And if we say the right words and all these things. No, it is a way of being disciplined in this. When we are facing an enemy, we're going to fix our eyes on God. We're going to fix our eyes on God. It might even be, I don't know what to do, God, but my eyes are fixed on you. And every time we're reminded, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. You might have other passages of Scripture memorized where you declare the goodness of God. I know that God is at work, and he works all things for the good of those who love him. You know, I know that our God has been faithful in the past. And you say those things over and over again as a way of discipline. I have found so much of this life 
hinges on where our focus is in the midst of bad circumstances, okay? It's not just about, you know, if we're waiting for joy and peace and victory to to invade our souls when there's nothing going bad in our life, we're going to be waiting a long time, right? There might be, it's like a nice weather day in Minnesota with no bugs, no humidity, no bad temperatures, no winter, you know, it's like four days a year. If we're waiting for all the circumstances in our life to line up perfectly so that we can have joy, so that we can feel victorious, so that we can have a heart that wants to worship God, that's not going to happen. So much of it is not waiting for the circumstances to be good. It's where our focus is in the midst of bad circumstances. So joy and faith and peace comes when our focus is on God, who is good, in the midst of whatever circumstances we are facing. And that's going to be a discipline. So fix your eyes on God. God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And I will declare your goodness. And second, take your position. Like he said, God told, the, God told the people of Judah, God told Jehoshaphat, get up, take your position, face your enemy, stand firm. Take your position, get moving, right? Move forward, face your enemy, and stand firm. It's not okay to, to, like the Israelites that day, just to stay home and say, God, just take care of that for us. It's not okay for you just to stay home and say, you know what? I'm not even moving. I just can't even move because God's not going to, I'm, I'm waiting for God to do it. Get up, face your enemy, have a posture of faith where you stand firm and say, no, I'm going to move forward knowing that God is going to bring about the victory, knowing that God is going to be victorious for us. If this is a financial thing, a marriage thing, family, illness, discouragement, depression, you keep moving forward. Face your enemy. We don't hide from the enemy. Face your enemy. Get help if you need it from however you can. But you move forward knowing that God is going to be with you and bring about the victory. It's like a physical posture of faith. You can almost just do it physically. Like, I'm going to stand up. I'm going to move forward today because I know that God has called me to get into position and watch him bring victory. You can get up with a physical posture of faith saying, God, I know you are bringing about victory for this situation. And the third thing, and we just talked about it, we fix our eyes on him, we take our position, and the third one is we begin to worship. We begin to worship. You begin to thank God. You don't allow your enemy or your battle to convince you that God is not worthy of worship. Whatever you're facing, don't allow that to convince you that God is not worthy of praise and thanksgiving. Amen? Don't allow that to convince you that I'm not, gonna, I'm not raising my hand in church. I'm not going to recite give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever because I don't feel it. No, we worship. We thank God. He is worthy. Don't just stand still in church, but lift your eyes. Lift your hands. Declare the goodness of God in worship. Lift your voice in worship, for God is good, and he will provide the victory. Even if it hasn't come yet, he will provide it. Worship is just saying, I know there's good coming. I know victory is coming. I will declare the goodness of God in the midst of the storm. Reciting those words, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. We so often despair We so often feel down when we can't see any way out of the mess. I've been in situations like that. I've been in situations health-wise in our family. I've been in situations financially in our family. Other things going on, relationships that I've been a part of where we look and we say, I can't see any way out of this mess. I have looked at every option. And like every option, and I cannot find a single way out of this. So often we despair when we can't think of a way out. I love this story. Because that was where 
God's people were. I can't figure any way out. We don't know what to do. And God did something that was so miraculous and so amazing. They hadn't even considered that the enemy turning on each other and wiping each other out was even an option. Right? There have been times where I have been at my wit's end, which is easy to come to my wit's end at times, where I'm like, I can't figure this out. There's no way. I've looked at every possible option, and none of those are going to work out. And then God comes through in a way that was like, out of left field, like, I didn't even know that was an option, right? I didn't even know that was possible. God moves in those ways. When we fix our eyes on him, when we stand firm and we face our enemy, and when we worship God in spite of it, he comes through in so many ways that we couldn't even imagine. There's going to be times when an answer to prayer comes in a way that you hadn't even thought of, you hadn't even dreamed of. Our God is capable of unimaginable things, of miraculous things. Amen? And we've seen God do that in our family. We've seen God do that in the families of this church. So I want to encourage you today. If you're in the midst of it, you don't know what to do, fix your eyes on him. God, I don't know what to do. My eyes are on you. And I will stand firm and I will praise you in the midst of it because I know you are going to bring about good things. This is a discipline that we need to grow in. This is a discipline that we need to grow in. Go to God first. Acknowledge that he can and will be the one that will bring about an answer to prayer. And he's the only one that can bring an answer to a miraculous prayer that you are praying. But we need to focus on him. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Um, this week has been, uh, you know, you never get, your, never get your current event news from Facebook. But <laughs> there's been lots of commentary on Facebook and social media and other internet sources about this abortion law that was, that was written in in the state of New York. And uh, a lot of people, you know, if you read Facebook, which I don't ever recommend it, but, you know, a bunch of my friends are outraged and we need to do this. And some of my other friends are like, well, no, this is an okay, you know, there's battles on Facebook. And I think in that moment, I was reminded of this word, God, we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This is a prayer first situation. This is a prayer situation. I don't think we need to put our hope in the government to pass laws or make things illegal. What is going to change this topic and any topic of sin and death in our country is not when something becomes illegal, but when something becomes, you know, uh, when, the, when the market for it disappears because people are getting saved. When people have their lives transformed and they have a new value placed on human life. And it could be about the situation in New York, abortion in this country, or any other area of sin and death in our country, or any battle that we are facing. It's not about the government fixing something. It is when we see God's redemptive power transform lives and hearts are changed and all of a sudden they have a respect for human life and all of a sudden they're saying well no I believe that there's hope in Jesus Christ and their view on life changes and we see this infect our world all around our nation and we see that God is moving in that way right does that hope that's making sense so our solution is God we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you and we are going to stand firm in faith and we are going to pray that God will bring about victory. We are going to pray that God will bring about a move of his spirit around this country, around this community, so that people will have their lives and hearts and eternities changed. This is what we get to be a part of. And still, take up your positions. Be involved. Be involved at, at you know, be activists in certain ways. Be respectful and, and proclaim truth and proclaim God's view of life in this country. But we need to first go to God and say, God, we're committing this to prayer. We're committing this to prayer. We're asking you to move in our nation, move in our community. God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And we will take our positions and we'll get involved 
Maybe we could go on a fast and declare, you know, I'm not going to eat lunch this week or I'm going to take a couple of days and not eat as a way of showing God I'm desperate for you. I'm desperate for you to move in this situation in our country. It might be the battle you're facing. God, I'm desperate for you to move. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, and we're believing that you will bring about victory. And that's why we're here. This is, I was reminded of that this week. You know, as, uh, as there was lots of talk about this abortion law in New York, and there was lots of talk about everything else going on in our country and the battles that we're fighting and all the things that we are facing as God's people, I was reminded this week, it's going to come when we bring the light to our world. It's going to come when we go out with the hope and the message of Jesus Christ and we see hearts changed. And if every church in every community, and that's why I was so glad to be a part of all these new churches being planted in small towns in Kansas and in Iowa and the panhandle of Florida and all the other tables that were there with church being planted in Philadelphia and Ohio and New Mexico and all the other little, little beacons of light that are going to get planted there, and the seeds are going to be planted, and we're going to see fruit. We're going to see a harvest. And from there, we're going to see that community changed. And we're going to see hearts and eternities changed. This is what we get to be a part of. So as we pray for our battles, we recognize we are a part of bringing light to the world around us. And that's why I was so happy to be a part of this thing this week, seeing churches planted. And I was reminded that's why we're here in Farmington or whatever community you live in. That's why we're here, to take our battles to the Lord. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. And we will face the enemy. We will face our enemy in faith. We will sing our praise to God. And we will continue to move forward and bring the light and the love of Jesus Christ to everyone around us. Amen? Let's stand together as we close today. And I want to do this. Let's bow our heads in prayer. And I am mindful that this message might be ringing true to some of you because you are in the midst of it right now. You are in a storm. You're in a battle. And we're just standing here as a family of God. And so if that's you, I want you as a way of, you know, taking your position, just lift up a hand to God right now. If you're in a battle, just lift up a hand to God. And this is our way of, of saying, God, we don't know what to do, but my hand is in the air because our eyes are on you. We are fixed on you. Our hand is in the air because we know you are the one who can bring victory. So today with a defiant worship and a defiant faith, in the face of our circumstances, we declare, God, we need you. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We need you. So, Lord, I pray for everyone here with a hand raised right now that you would move miraculously in situations, that you would bring about victory, that you would bring about miraculous freedom and healing, that you would bring about a good result this week that would come from a place maybe we had no idea was even a possibility. But God, that you would bring about victory and healing and wholeness in these situations. I pray for every hand in the air that you would move in those situations. And our response, Lord, is to fix our eyes on you. To take our positions. To stand firm. To not let the enemy push us around. To stand firm in our worship saying we will continue to offer thanks and praise to you until we see you move. So Lord, I'm praying for everybody here today that has a need. I pray that you would move in those situations. And I pray that you would increase our faith as the people of Homestead Church. You would increase our faith that we would look to you first. We would grow in our faith. We would take those steps of faith. We thank you, Lord, for what you are doing in us. And I just pray your continued blessing over the families of this church. For those with needs, for those with sicknesses, for those with every battle that we're facing, I pray for your blessing and your victory in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen.